I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the book of Acts. We continue our series going through the book of Acts. Today we'll be looking at chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Acts, chapter 3, we'll begin at verse 1. where Luke, who wrote both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, writes. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, at three o'clock in the afternoon. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the Beautiful Gate, so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's portico, utterly astonished. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people, you Israelites, why do you wonder at this? And why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors has glorified his servant Jesus who you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him. But you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are all witnesses. And by faith in his name, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you now see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health and the presence of all of you. And now, friends. I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. In this way, God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, therefore, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah appointed to you, that is, Jesus, who must remain in heaven until the time of universal restoration that God announced long ago through his holy prophets. Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you one of your own people, a prophet like me. You must listen to whatever he tells you. 
And it will be that everyone who does not listen to that prophet will be utterly rooted out of the people. And all the prophets, as many of us spoken from Samuel and those after him, also predicted these days. You are the descendants of the prophets and the covenant that God gave to your ancestors, saying to Abraham, and in your descendants all the families of the earth shall be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for this opportunity to study it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Every day, every day, this was his life. Every day, this lame beggar would be picked up and taken to the temple. Every day, he would be laid there near the, the gate. We're called, it's called the beautiful gate. We're not sure exactly which one that is. Most scholars argue that it's the bronze gate there of the temple. But either way, every day he would be laid there. Every night someone would take him home. Every day they'd bring him back. Every night they'd take him home. That was his life, day after day after day after day. I wonder when his mother knew. I wonder when his mom realized. My baby doesn't seem to crawl like the other baby. I wonder when his mom figured it out. My, my baby can't walk. My baby will never walk. I, I wonder when it hit the family. When they knew this child would be different. This youth would be different. This young man would be different. And I wonder. I mean, we don't know a whole lot about him. But wonder if... He came from a very loving family that surrounded him and nurtured him and cared for him? Or, or was he from one of those families that were so overwhelmed by what was happening that they just didn't feel like they could take it? We've all heard the stories so many times. We, we have the home in Kenya and we hear the stories sometimes of, of families who just can't seem to take it. They don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to handle things. So they just drop their child off somewhere else for somebody else maybe to be able to take care of them? We don't know. We don't know. But now, now he's a man. We don't know how old he is, but he or somebody is pretty smart. Why? Because he knew how to pick a spot. See, when you're a beggar, where your spot is makes all the difference in the world. I mean, when you're a beggar, to, to know, I, I need to be somewhere where the people are coming and going. I need to be around the greatest number of people. And, and the idea that, wow, I can have a spot right at the gate of the temple where religious people are coming in to worship God and then leaving from worship God. If I could get a spot right at the entrance of the temple where People are coming in to offer their alms for the poor and, and to make their offerings and their sacrifices. And when they leave and come and go and come and go, if they see me there, 
those are the people who may be most apt to help me. He had a great spot. Somebody helped him pick a great spot every day. Somebody carried him there every day they left. I mean, Luke tells us every day. This was his life. And this day was no different. He was being taken there to the temple. Someone would take him, lying down there. Do you have everything you need? Can you reach the water? You able to reach your water? It's going to be a hot day today. Can you reach the water? Here's you some bread. Make sure you have, you, you have everything you need. One of us will be back later tonight to take you home. But do you have everything you need? Somebody was taking care of him. We, we don't know who, but we're told that every day somebody was bringing him. Somebody was taking him home. And on this day, he's there. He's ready to begin the routine. Alms for the poor. Alms. Can you spare a little change? Can you, can you, help, can you help a brother out? Can you, can you do something? For, can you, would you help me just a little bit? Come on, just a little bit. Help, please. Can you help me? I mean, we don't know. Did he have a bell? Maybe he had a bell. Maybe he had a bell that, that would draw some attention. I don't know. Probably the people outside the temple wouldn't like that. And there must have been regulars. People who hopefully knew him. Hopefully somebody saw him. I mean, you know, we church people tend to be pretty regular. We come in the same doors. We go out the same doors. We tend to sit in the same pews. I mean, there had to be regulars coming and going. So surely there were people who had a chance to, to get to see this guy. Oh, I like that little lady over there. She always helps me. Oh, no, here, come, here he comes, here he comes. This guy is so mean to me. I don't know why he's so mean to me. Every, you know that there were regulars. You know that there were people that he knew. Good morning, good morning. And he had to have heard about Jesus. I mean, sitting there at the edge of the temple, he had to hear the conversation as people were coming and going. I mean, we know church people talk, religious people talk. I mean, that's why, you know, we have, we have meetings here at the church. You know, we have the, the formal meeting that's inside around the table. And then you have the second meeting that's on the sidewalk as you're heading to the parking lot. And, and that's the meeting he got to hear because, you know, as people come out going, I cannot believe what happened in worship today. You know, I mean, there had to be somebody saying something. And, and he had to have heard the stories. You know, you know that he heard the stories that, that just a couple of months ago, just a couple of months ago, there was a man came riding into town on a donkey. Many people believed he was the son of God. And, and then he had to know the story because he was sitting right outside the temple. I mean, we're told every day he sat outside the temple that, that, that he had to be there the day that Jesus went into the temple and, and, and made some whips and tossed some tables and, and made a difference. Remember when Jesus drove out the money changers? He had to hear people coming out mad, people coming out upset, people coming out going, whoa, what just happened? Or finally, somebody did something. He had to have heard the story. And then you know, he heard people talking as they came and went about how the religious leaders, some of them that probably walked right by him day after day, were the very ones who trumped up the charges on Jesus. He probably knew their names. He might have even heard them plotting as they were coming and going right in front of him. He had to hear the story of how Jesus was crucified. Story told that he rose from the dead. Spent about 40 days walking around talking to people. It's everywhere. Everybody's heard. And then he heard the story of how he ascended up into heaven, floated up with the clouds, and then just, just a week or so ago, on Pentecost, I mean, wow, the place was 
packed on Pentecost. Everybody wanted to come to the temple. So you know there were crowds of people coming and going by him on Pentecost, that high holy day that you can read about in Leviticus 23. And, and you know, this, this celebration day that God did something amazing and God's spirit seemed to be poured out. I heard the story that, that there were some Galileans started teaching about Jesus and, and people from all around the world with all their different languages could still hear and understand. You know we heard the stories. No different this day. It's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon and Peter and John are coming to pray. I love this. Because, yes, they had been following Jesus and yes, they had experienced the, the crucifixion, the resurrection, spent 40 days with Jesus, experienced the, the ascension and experienced Pentecost, but they still had their spiritual disciplines. They still came to the temple regularly to pray. Did you catch that? It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's a traditional time where Jews would join together to pray. And they still came together to the house of God to worship and to pray. 3 o'clock in the afternoon is when people would often come to to make their offerings and their sacrifices to God. And, and so this is the beggar's best chance. And he sees Peter and James, John rather coming up. And, and so he goes, alms for the poor. Now if it were me, if I had been the guy's coach, I'd have said, now here's what you need to say. Can you help a neighbor? Use the word neighbor. Second great commandment is love your neighbor. These are religious people. Hit them with the neighbor word. If they're on their way in, they're coming in to make an offering, and they're going back out, you need to hit them with the neighbor word because they're already feeling religious, so make sure you call them neighbor. So I imagine he goes, can you help a neighbor? And Peter and John stop. And Luke tells us that John looked at him intently. That Peter looked at him intently, as did John. I, I love that. Why? Why did Luke tell us that? Well, you have to remember, Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And Luke is very concerned about the poor, the outcasts, the marginalized, those that nobody else wants to see. Luke knows that there's a lot of people in our world that we choose not to see. Luke knows. There's a lot of people in this world who need us and call to us and that we can reach out and help and love, but for some reason we choose not to see them. It's easier that way. Luke now tells us that Peter saw him, looked intently at him, as did John. You're a real person. You're not just a beggar, but you're a live human being, a, a human being with feelings, a human being that, that has people around you. Somebody cares for you. You have a name. You're real. And then Peter says, then look at us. Eye to eye. We need to see each other. We need to connect. And then Peter lets him down. Peter goes, oh, I don't have any gold or silver. I mean, you can imagine the guy going, come on. I don't have any silver or gold. You know, just something, pocket change, friend. I mean, help a neighbor in need. And, and Peter goes, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I do have, I'll give that to you. In the name of Jesus, the Christ of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. Now, it's important that you catch this because... Sometimes when we hear Jesus Christ, we almost say the word Christ so much that it, 
it, it kind of sounds like his last name. I mean, it's not like Peter went, in the name of Terry Moore from Statesville. That's not what it was. In the name of Jesus the Christ. Christ is a title. The Hebrew word is Messiah. The Greek word is Christ. It means God's anointed one. God's a chosen one. So what he says is, in the name of God's chosen one, Jesus of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. And then he does another interesting thing. Luke, make sure you see this. Make sure you catch this. It says he took his right hand and helped him up. Why? Because we learn from Jesus that we don't simply acknowledge the poor or acknowledge the needy or not acknowledge the outcast, but Jesus would touch them. And Peter now reaches out and, and takes his arm, takes his hand, touches him, embraces him, helps him up. Man, I'd love to have seen this. For the first time, the guy goes vertical. He was born lame. Do you realize? He's never gone vertical before. And now all of a sudden, he's helped up and they're holding him up. And we're told that his feet and his ankles become strong. And can you imagine what it was like for a guy to stand for the first time in his life? He's standing up and you know he didn't have balance down perfectly to start with. I mean, you know they had to help him for a second until he could finally get his feet up under him. I mean, wouldn't that have been awesome? Wouldn't you have loved to have seen a man stand for the very first time and then to take a first step, you know, and you know he held on. The scripture even says later that he's clinging to Peter and to John. He takes a step and then another step. And he can walk. He can walk. In the name of Jesus Christ, he can walk. And where did he walk to? He went into the temple with Peter and John. All the rest of his life, he had been stuck outside the temple, lying against the sidewalk. But now, he gets to come in. And what does he do when he comes in? He praises God. You see, that's what worship is. Worship is an acknowledgement that when we were out there, God did something. When we were out there, God stopped. When we were out there, God intervened. And when God intervened, then God helped us up. And what do we do when God does something for us? We come in and we worship. That's what worship is about. You're coming in here to celebrate that when you were out there, God didn't leave you alone. That God lifted you up. And now I come in here and I worship. And I praise God. For what God has done in my life. And he's leaping and praising God. The people see it and, and, and they're amazed. And they all come gathering up on them so quick. Because here's Peter and John. Did you hear what Peter and John did? Did you hear what Peter and John did? Did you hear what Peter and John did? And all of a sudden Peter and John go, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. Peter and John didn't do anything. I love that. Why do you look at us as if we did something that by our piety or by our might, we did something? It isn't about us. This isn't a Peter and John thing. This is a Jesus thing. It's one of the reasons why when we do our worship planning, we talk and we, we put together our services, work with our associates and worship team leaders, music team leaders, everything else. We, we kind of make it very clear that hey, this is not about us. Our job is not to go look at Terry, look at this one, look at that one, look at whoever. Our job is to go look at Jesus Christ. This is not a Terry thing. This is in the name of Jesus Christ. It's not about us. The moment it becomes about us, it becomes idolatry. It's about Jesus Christ. And Peter goes, don't look at us. Let me tell you what happened. 
And he's talking to Jews in the temple. You need to know that because that's why this makes sense. He goes, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Your forefathers, the whole reason that you're in this building. Your ancestors. The same God blessed his servant, Jesus. Wow. And it's in his name, his name itself, that this man is healed. And then he goes, you know Jesus, you killed him. I love Peter. He still needs to go to seminary because he didn't get his preaching down pat. I mean, he just, there had to be an easier way to have said it. You know, Jesus, the one you killed. Remember when Pilate tried to release somebody to you? You either had the murderer or you had Jesus, and you go, give us Barabbas, crucify him. You know the guy. You did that. But God raised him from the dead. God did something amazing and, and gave him this name. It's by faith in his name, verse 16, in his name itself that's made this man strong. You see, there's something about the name of Jesus Christ. And one of the things that Luke wants us to understand is that, that yes, Jesus lived among us and taught us of his kingdom. And yes, Jesus died for us and for our sins. And yes, Jesus rose from the dead. And yes, then Jesus ascended into heaven. But the church is not called to be a memorial society that joins together to talk about a Jesus who once did something and someday will come back. But that even in the meantime, the very name of Jesus can do something very name. Acts chapter 4 seems the things to come next week. Acts 4.12 says that there's salvation in no one else for there's no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Philippians 2 9, verse 9, Paul says, therefore God exalted him and gave him the name that is above every other name that at the name of jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that jesus christ is the lord to the glory of god the father jesus himself then says in john 14 verse 13 i will do whatever you ask in my name so that the father will be glorified now, before you go too excited, now to make sure you understand what that means, because that does not mean, oh, awesome, in the name of Jesus, I want a lake house. In the name of Jesus, I want a Denali. In the name of, you know, that doesn't mean that we can manipulate the name of Jesus, but what it means is in the essence of the name, in the power of the name, in the faith and being of the name of Jesus, whatever you ask in my name, I will do so that the Father will be glorified in the Son, if in my name, you ask me for anything, Jesus says, I will do it. Wow, there's something in the name. Paul says in Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, we still have something to offer. We still have something to offer in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ. That's interesting when we read the scripture where we put ourselves in the story. And most of the time when we read this, we see ourselves as one of the apostles, one of the church leaders. And so we begin asking some very legitimate questions. The question is, who is lying outside of our gate? The gates of the worship experience here in town. Who's, who are the ones that we haven't been paying attention to that God wants us to see? 
Who are the people we haven't seen for some reason? Who are the people we've chosen not to see? There are people out there hurting in our world today. There are people in crisis in our world today, and they're right here around us. We may live in an affluent community, but there's a lot of pain, a lot of hurting, a lot of suffering, even here. And the question is, is who out there is looking toward the church, hoping to receive something, but we haven't seen them yet? And sometimes what we may need to offer is silver and gold. It makes a difference. You have about 70 children in the home of the Good Shepherd in Kenya who are there because you have been generous. But it's not only that. It's in the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ because more important than the gold and silver is what I really have to offer you. And that's the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who are the people out there? Who are the people out there that we need to see? And I wonder, you know, when the, um, when the beggar was healed and he stood up, somebody took his spot. Because your spot means everything. And now that he doesn't need it anymore, I guarantee you there was another beggar who goes, get me over there. Move me over there. That's the spot. Somebody put me in the spot. You know what I wonder? I wonder when the beggar left the temple, did he notice who was sitting in his spot? And did he help that person? Because if we want to know where we fit in the story, I, I think actually we need to remind ourselves we're the people who were the beggars lying on the sidewalk. Because before we got in here, before we got in, into the kingdom, we were the people for whom the relationship with God had been broken. We were the people who had sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are the people for whom the wages of sin was death. We are the people that were out there helpless. We're the people that had no way whatsoever to be able to restore ourselves and to help ourselves. We were the helpless people, but thank God, God stopped. And God looked intently at us, and God saw us, and, and saw us to be of value, saw us in spite of our brokenness to be of real value. Look at us, look here, eye contact. God connected and then, by grace, in the name of Jesus Christ, God saved us. So we come in here and we worship, because that's what you do. When God does something out there, you come in here and you worship, and you celebrate. And now we go out there because there's somebody who's in our spot. There's somebody out there who is just like us. Broken, hurting, something. And there might even be some one of us here right now that goes, I'm still in my spot, hoping somebody will stop. Well, hear the good news. In the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ, God's grace is offered for even you. For even you. Luke gives us this amazing story. He wants us to make sure that we get it. That... This Jesus, we're not a memorial society that joins together to remember this Jesus. We're the church. And we proclaim the risen Christ. 
So we go out those doors and we see people that need to be seen. And there's something in the power of the name of Christ. So in the name of and on behalf of our Lord and Savior, Savior Jesus Christ, we stop and we reach out and we offer grace. Why? Because just yesterday, that was us. Will you pray with me? God, we are so grateful for your love and grace. And God, we're so grateful that when we were helpless and hurting, and our relationship with you was broken. There was nothing we could do to earn our salvation, and we could not, by our own power, get into the kingdom of God. You stopped. And by the grace of your Son, our Savior and Lord, Jesus the Christ, you offered us forgiveness and everlasting life, wholeness. And God, there are so many people now out there that are in our spot. And we pray, dear God, that we wouldn't come in here and worship and then just go back to life as normal, not seeing our neighbor. Help us to see our neighbor. So it's somebody's kid. Some mother realized one day, my kid's different, my kid's hurting. Whatever it might be. The people out there in our spots, they have names. They're real. And you love them as much as you love us. So God, we pray that you would help us to pause and to look intently. And to see the soul and the spirit of our neighbor. And then to share what I have, I will give to you. In the name of and on behalf of Jesus, the Christ. Amen.